A spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Isabel Hardman and Kate Andrews. Another day, another piece of gloomy economic news. The UK inflation rates hit double digits, 10.1%, the Office for National Statistics says. Kate, how does this compare to what the projections pointed to? Well, if we look at the forecast going back to last year, I mean, practically nobody was ever suggesting that inflation was going to hit double digits. What's been notable is every time the Bank of England have released their forecasts, they've had to increase what they think the peak's going to be. They've always been too optimistic about where inflation would peak. The bank now thinks that inflation will rise to 13% this autumn, especially when the energy price cap goes up. But it's difficult to say. Uh, There are some people this morning saying, well, look, oil prices are falling. Actually, fuel prices between June and July did rise, but the pace at which they rose has slowed significantly. Significantly, Maybe there's reason to be optimistic that we're coming to the peak. But I look at some of the more worrying information in, in today's update. It isn't just that headline figure, which is terrifying enough that inflation rose on the year to 10.1%, but also that it's food prices that really ran away last month. They rose to almost 13% on the year, up from just under 10%. Now, Energy is like for very obvious reasons because it's going to be so expensive, the major issue here, but there are other contributing factors. So when the energy price cap rises this October, food prices, other domestic services are going to compound the problem. They're not going to ease it because all of these things are getting more expensive. This suggests to me that maybe we'll be lucky and inflation could peak earlier, but it seems also equally, if not more likely, that the bank, when it releases next forecast, might have to raise that their, their forecast for the peak again. Isabel, what does this mean for the government? Notably, Nadim Zahori, he got caught off guard a week or so ago when the Bank of England warnings came out, has been very quick today to respond. He's been on social media. But is there much the government can do in terms of the immediate future? Well, once again, it's the case that the government is responding largely by saying that you're going to have to wait until the leadership contest is over to find out the details of the full package of support with ministers trying to highlight what they've already done to help people who are struggling. So Zahawi's line was that we've got a £37 billion support package with further payments for those on the lowest incomes and getting inflation under control is his top priority. But what we then see between the leadership camps is the bickering we've seen throughout the campaign which is the Sunak side, represented this morning by John Glenn, saying that the only way you can get, the only way you can stop inflation from getting worse is by being fiscally responsible and not going for what they see as being irresponsible tax cuts and that there needs to be a package of immediate help that will target the most vulnerable quickly. Their line is that tax cuts won't do that. Liz Truss's camp obviously have have responded by saying, no, actually tax cuts will help people with the cost of living because they mean they can keep more of their own money but as we are now saying on a sort of daily basis on this podcast we're just not going to hear for another three weeks really what the the government is going to be doing in detail to, to help people either with the cost of living or to try to stop inflation getting worse or continuing and sort of bedding in. Um, Kate 
Earlier in the week, we were talking on this podcast about Keir Starmer's suggestion on the cost of living. So the idea of freezing the energy price cap, stopping price rises, and funding that through an extension of the windfall tax. And one of the things Labour claimed is that this would actually help solve the issue of inflation. How do you think that adds up? Is that something which uh, you think you can argue, or is that a bit dubious? Well, I don't think it adds up. Here's the thing. You can claim that you can control energy prices all you want, but these are global prices. So the question is who bears the cost? Because you can cap the energy price cap wherever you want at five pounds or four thousand pounds, but someone's still going to have to make up the extra because you have to get the energy and otherwise you're going to have to start rationing and you're just simply not going to have the supply. So when Kias Thomas says I'm going to cap energy prices, what he's really saying is the government is going to borrow 30 billion pounds for six months, 60 billion pounds for a year, essentially the entire cost of the furlough scheme, which was one of COVID's most expensive schemes, in order to cover this. That means he says it's going to come from the windfall tax. He says it's costed. There are big question marks about whether or not Rishi Sunak's more tame windfall tax will even bring in the five billion pounds that he thought it would. So this idea that you're going to get tens of billions of pounds from companies and there's going to be no change in behavior, I think, is a big question mark, not to mention the fact that taxes on companies tend to come out of employees' pay packs, so there will be knock-on effects to that too. The reality is you have to borrow a lot more money and with interest rates going up and inflation where it is, you're going to be looking at even higher debt servicing payments. This is what former Chancellor Rishi Sunak was always so worried about last year when he was doing his budgets was that the government might start struggling to pay its bills and what Kiyostam was proposing could put us in an even more dubious situation. So the idea that this solves inflation I, I think is is quite ridiculous. What he is tapping into, however, is a sense that for bills to rise from around £1,000 a year for households to around £4,000 a year per household, which is what it's currently estimated to rise to early next year, is just not affordable. There are it's, it's not simply the vulnerable households who can't afford it. A lot of people who you would think might be able to won't be able to afford that either. These costs are staggering. It is going to require government to do something interesting and substantial to help people get through the winter. And whilst I don't think labor has come up with the answer, because this idea is, as I said, that you can cap, really meaningfully cap energy just simply isn't the case. I don't think that Rishi Sunak or Liz Truss are are rising to the occasion. And Isabel points out they don't want to do this during a leadership contest. They don't want to make promises off the cuff. But I think people are really starting to feel like the person who's going to be in charge doesn't have the solutions at their fingertips. And it's really quite scary because these costs are just not affordable for a lot of people. And on the subject of what the Tory leadership candidates are saying, or perhaps not saying, Isabel, you were covering the hustings last night in Perth. What did we learn? Well, obviously, both candidates had adapted their messages for a Scottish audience. And I think probably Liz trusted that more adeptly presumably because she's got the help of people like David Mundell who are backing her. Uh, Rishi Sunak does have Ruth Davidson, but she said publicly she doesn't think that he's going to win, which suggests that she's probably not putting as much effort into the campaign as, as Mundell might be with with Liz Truss. Wisely, Truss declined to give her best best Scottish accent, which is a shame for, for us, but probably a boost for her leadership campaign. And she got a warmer reception in the hall for lines like I'm never ever going to let this family be split up when she was talking about the union I thought it was quite a sort of curious audience possibly a reflection of Scottish political culture more widely that the journalist hosting the event got heckled a number of times for asking questions that the audience found 
boring or repetitive. And uh, normally we see that as being the um, the sort of thing that SNP audiences would do. But the, the Scottish Tories really were um, being quite rude um, to Colin Mackay last night, the STV host. And the topics that they particularly didn't like him asking the candidates repeated questions on were around NHS spending for, for Sunak and then Boris Johnson's law breaking for Liz Truss. And again, the circumstances in which she might allow a second referendum, particularly when he pointed out some of the discrepancies between her approach on saying that there would be no second Scottish referendum and the circumstances in which there might be two border poles on a united island, for instance. But generally, in terms of what we learnt, both candidates ruled out the Starmer energy bill freeze. Trust described it again as a sticking plaster. We didn't, beyond that, learn a great deal, I have to say. We are now going round in circles on this leadership contest. I say now as though that's that's happened in the past few days. It's been It's been the case for quite a few weeks now. And Kate, we have Hustings and Belfast today. And of course, the protocol is a big issue in this contest. Quite different positioning, I think, in terms of emphasis when it comes to Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak. You certainly get the sense from hearing what Rishi Sunak says, that he is more open to negotiation with the EU. You'll be keen to look for a compromise. Whereas Liz Truss, I think, who's obviously being supported by many on the right of the party, has been pretty hard line in what she said. She obviously has been in charge of the legislation going through Parliament on the protocol, which could just unilaterally rewrite parts of it if the EU don't blink. Now, that could, of course, uh, we hear from your supporters of Rishi Sunak and figures in Brussels spark potentially a trade war in a worst case scenario. How would that add to the mix of things? I'm really interested to see how the Belfast audience responds to their positions on the protocol, because everyone knows that it's not working. And in many ways, you might think that Liz Truss's position of this isn't working and I'm just going to fix it come what may could actually be very popular. The problem is that if a trade war, well, in any circumstance, but certainly now with inflation where it is, with interest rates going up and with a recession looming were to hit now, it could make matters far, far worse. And this is something that Liz Truss has had to deal with with a lot of the things that she's proposed, whether that be tax cuts or or serious changes to the tax code, is it might be right that we need to cut tax. Indeed, I would argue it's necessary that we cut tax. It might be right to go hard on the EU about the protocol, but timing is everything. And for a trade war to break out, just as every other economic factor is working against the UK, could prove rather fatal from an economic perspective. That being said, for Rishi Sunak to wobble on this point, especially when people in Belfast will know far better than anybody else, certainly better than we do sitting here in Westminster, how badly the protocol is working, to just suggest, oh, this isn't the time, or oh, we need to compromise this and that, may not be especially popular with the grassroots there. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Coffeehouse Shots. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating and review. And to keep up to date with the world of Westminster, sign up for unrivaled insight and analysis with Isabel Hardman's Evening Blend newsletter, delivered to your inbox every weekday evening. Sign up at www.spectator.co.uk forward slash evening hyphen blend.